song and a melody ringing out in my heart today. It's a song of the heart that's been changed, a glorious song of praise. When I was lost, you came and you found me. When I was born, you set me free. Now I want to give you all of the glory for all that you've done for me. All the glory. All the glory. All the honor to your name. All the glory. All the honor to your name. Let's all stand. Let's give him all the praise and honor and glory he deserves. Amen. I'll tell you, what a wonderful Lord we serve. That's great. Let's pray. Father, touch us tonight. Be with us as we have come together. May your presence be real. May the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified. Make your word real to our hearts tonight that this service will encourage every soul that is here and then as we leave, that our life has been impacted to be a witness for Christ and to be able to meet the demands of each day. Thank you again for saving us. What a joy it is to know that we're saved and to know that our sins are gone and heaven is our home. Bless now this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Lead me, Lord, I will find.
Thank you. You may be seated. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. Let me remind you, Thursday night is the beginning of our fall semester of faith, and the first night for all of you, just want to remind you, all of you, the first night is orientation, so you won't be going out any at all this Thursday night, so you can come casual, but we're excited about the fall semester of faith, over 70-some folks. If you're going to be in faith this semester, would you stand? Let's see all those going to be in faith. Let's give them all a good hand. We praise the Lord for this. Excited about it. And everybody will be going out Thursday night. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering. Continue to move in this service, glorifying the name of Jesus and all that is done. In Jesus' name, amen. to make one quick announcement about next Sunday. Next Sunday is Pastor Appreciation Day. Our pastor will be celebrating 15 years here at Temple Baptist Church. Do you appreciate our pastor? Amen. We're doing things kind of different next week. We normally have our fellowship afterwards, after the evening service. Next Sunday we'll do it following the morning service. So I just want to remind everyone to please bring enough food for your family and a little bit more. So uh, that'll be next Sunday morning after uh, the service. Thank you. Yeah. 
voice man said I hate to doubt it but Jesus touched my eyes when I was blind and he made me see and there's no doubt about it but this man's needs are more serious than mine well suppose that second man said no need to bother this man's condition will remain the same well Jesus touched my hair when it was withered I don't believe he can heal a man so lame suppose that third man said I hate the question but no one here is more skeptical than me though Jesus cleansed me when I was a leper this helpless mind will never walk you see then every eye was turned to the fourth man to see how he might criticize and doubt Good to be alive when I am changed. 
you, Lord, for the strength you give to simply carry on. Through life's toils and tests, the worst and best, I'm never left alone. You're always right beside me. You hear me when I pray. And since I first began, you've been my dearest friend. I give you all the praise. We're singing things. Everything's going wrong. Even on that mountain, his loving presence makes me strong. Each and every moment of each and every day, I'm gonna sing and shout, won't let the rocks cry out. I'll give you all the praise. We're gonna sing, we're gonna sing. So we're going to sing it again. Think about all of the glory to him again. We're going to, we're practicing. All right, here we go. Okay. 
all stand tonight as the choir comes down. Save, save, save. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. So get out now. Shake hands with everyone around. Make everyone feel welcome tonight as the choir comes down. Just mingle with them. Get out. Shake hands.
Thank you. You may be seated.
Let's take our Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would, please. The book of 1 Peter chapter 5. And, and I want to share with you a few thoughts tonight and for a few Sunday nights uh, from 1 Peter 5. Find your place in the Word of God. We're all of our preacher boys. I want all the preacher boys to stand. All you fellas surrender to preach, all of you preachers, I want you to stand all across the building. I want you to preach, but I want you, each one of them, tell me why you're glad you're saved now. And uh, you want to learn to preach. You got to be ready to preach at the drop of the hat and be willing to drop the hat. Say amen right there. But uh, got to be excited about being saved. Won't you tell me why you're glad you're saved? John, tell me why you're glad you're saved. <laughs> amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen, Ronnie. Amen. Praise the Lord. Steve, you had a good week this week? Makes a difference when you get right, don't it? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen, Terry. I'm glad I'm saved because, because why I'm saved. <laughs> I'm glad I'm saved tonight because since I got saved, I have come to know the peace that passes all Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Aaron. Why are you glad you're saved? Because I have the power of the Godhead at work in my life. Sure. I have the sovereign power of God the Father. I have that saving power of God the Son who saved me, and I'm thankful for that. He gave his life for me. And I have the strengthening power every single day of God the Holy Spirit in my life, and that is one. Amen. Amen. J.C. Praise the Lord. Amen. Gerald. Sure. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Eddie. Sure. Amen. Harvey. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Jesus makes a difference. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Give all these fellas just praise the Lord for his blessing. <laughs> There's a bunch of them here. Several been at it here lately. I tell you, all of you fellas, did I miss somebody? Oh, I'm sorry. Up here. Amen. Praise God, Frank. You don't need to be sitting up there. Y'all be on the front row down here. <laughs> Amen. All of you fellas, listen. I say this to all you fellas. You come to church, you come to church to worship. You're going to serve God and live for God and preach the gospel. Get in here. Go to meeting when you come. Get on these front rows down here. Holler amen and get in there. It's what you come to church for. Can I get amen from you? Amen. amen. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. I appreciate what God is doing in the life of these young men. And I'm excited about it and I help them any way that I can. I want you to look at a verse of Scripture. I preached from this verse a number of years ago, several years ago, about four and a half years ago. But uh, my heart has been drawn toward it uh, quite a bit here lately. And I want us to spend a few Sunday nights once again looking at one verse of Scripture. We'll build everything around one verse of Scripture. And for a few Sunday nights, I want us to think about this thought, why God lets His people suffer. Why God lets His people suffer. I would encourage you to be here on Wednesday night. We're in the book of James. And Wednesday night, we looked at some of the most powerful words in all this Bible about trials. And uh, if you were here, then I know God give you a good word. But uh, I want us to look at this one verse of Scripture. And we find that God gives us some wonderful things, and we'll learn from them. I want you to stand as we honor the reading of His Word. 1 Peter 5, one verse, that's verse 10. Why does God let His people suffer? I know many of you are going through some hard things in your life. Many of you are going through trials. Some of them are financial. Some of them are physical. Maybe other things. Why does God let His people suffer? Look at 2 Peter, 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. The Bible said, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Now look at this. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Now, let me read that to you again. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Thank you. you may be seated. Why? Does God let his people suffer? Let's look at this passage tonight and learn some things from it that I believe will be a help to us tonight and in the weeks to come. Our Father, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. What a joy it is to be able to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and just to love you and to celebrate the goodness of God and to celebrate our salvation and to celebrate an empty tomb and a living Lord. For all these things, Lord, we rejoice and give you praise and honor and glory. And, Lord, we don't want to rob you of one ounce of the glory that you are so deserving. Fathers, we come now. We ask you that you might speak to our hearts. May this Sunday night and these Sunday nights to come be beneficial to every believer. Let us get a word from you through your word that will help us. For those that are going through hard times, for those that are suffering, give them a word that will strengthen them. 
For those, Lord, that may face trials down the road, give them a word that will help them when those trials come. Let us see your word tonight. Let us learn your word. Speak to us, and we'll thank you and praise you for it is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wonder tonight if you've ever had one of those days, one of those weeks, and one of those months, maybe even one of those years when you felt like nothing was going right. Well, if you have, let me just share with you some people that share, share with you, tell you about a few people that things really turned out bad. You think you've had things that went bad. Well, let me just tell you about some where things really turned out bad. These true stories. In 1983, in Naples, Italy, a fellow by the name of Vittorio Luiz, 45 years old, his car was blown into a river by a fierce gust of wind. He managed to break out the window, climb out, and swim to shore. But when he got to shore, the wind blew over a tree that fell on him and killed him. In 1983, 31-year-old Mike Stewart of Dallas was filming a movie on the danger of low-level bridges when the truck that he was standing on passed under a low-level bridge, killing him. In 1983, George Swartz, owner of a factory in Providence, Rhode Island, narrowly escaped death when a blast flattened his factory except for one wall. Well, after treatment for minor injuries, he returned to search for, uh, for files, and the remaining wall collapsed on him, killing him. In 1977, a man was hit by a car in New York. He got up uninjured. But he lay back down in front of the car when a bystander told him to pretend that he was hurt so he could collect insurance money. The car rolled forward and crushed, himself, crushed him to death. I read about another fellow that was surprised while burgling a house in Antwerp, Belgium. The thief fled out of the back door, clambered over a nine-foot wall, dropped down, and found himself in a city prison. You're talking about things going bad. <laughs> In 1976, 22-year-old Irishman Bob Finnegan was crossing the Busy Falls Road in Belfast. We've been there. He was struck by a taxi and knocked over his roof, uh, knocked over the roof. The taxi drove away, and as Finnegan lay stunned in the road, another car ran into him, rolling him into the, into the gutter, and it too drove on. Well, as a crowd of people gathered around to examine Finnegan, a delivery van plowed through the crowd, leaving in its wake three injured bystanders and an even more battered Bob Finnegan. When a fourth vehicle came along, the crowd wisely scattered and only one person was hit, Bob Finnegan. And in the space of two minutes, he suffered a fractured skull, a broken pelvis, a broken leg, and along several other injuries. But this is my favorite. Two West German motorists had an all-too-literal literal head-on collision. They were driving in a heavy fog, and they were driving at a snail's pace near the center of the road. Both drivers had their heads out the window, going in opposite directions, and they smacked together. And both were hospitalized for severe head injuries. Now, you thought you had a bad day. Say amen right there. And you thought things were going bad in your life. Well, let me be very serious and say tonight that life is not without its troubles. And life is not without its heartaches. And life is not without its problems. And life is not without its burdens. And life is not without its trials. 
The word that I want to use to describe all of these things is the word suffering. In the book of 1 Peter, you'll find the word suffering in one form or another found no less than 15 times. And you'll find that there are eight different particular words that are used to describe suffering. You might say, if you really want to know about suffering, the book of 1 Peter is the book to read. If you really want to know what suffering is like and what suffering is intended to be and whatever, then the book of 1 Peter is the book to consider. For the th theme of all through 1 Peter is the matter of suffering. Fifteen times Peter talks the about the matter of suffering. You see, when Peter wrote to the recipients of this letter, he wrote to both encourage them and to enlighten them. There were many that were going through trials, so Peter writes the book of 1 Peter in order to encourage them. There were many that were getting ready for trials. He's getting, getting them ready for persecution. Peter knows that great persecution is about to break out. So he's getting them ready, and he writes the book to enlighten them. For those that are going through trials, he wants to encourage them. For those that are facing trials, he wants to enlighten them. He wants to remind them of suffering and what suffering is all about. So I want you just kind of, I want to just lay a foundation tonight. And I want you to notice what Peter has to say about suffering. Let me give you three things tonight from the Scripture. Are you with me now? Say amen. I want you to follow these three things. Number one. I want you to notice in Peter's words what he has to say or he gives us the different expressions of suffering. The different expressions of suffering. Again, as I said, Peter has a lot to say about suffering. And as you read the book of 1 Peter, you find that there are various ways that one can suffer. For, on past this past Wednesday night in James 1 verse 2, we talked about divers' temptations. And the word divers meaning multicolored. A variety of trials. Well, James tells us how certain trials can come in our life, but he describes some of these trials. He talks about suffering expressed in several forms, for example. I find as I read 1 Peter that James talks about how a man can suffer legally. Look in 1 Peter 4 and verse 15. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 15, Peter said, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now notice that. James said, let none of you suffer as a murderer, and so on, and so on, and so on. Peter is describing a form of suffering that comes as a result of being punished for a crime committed. He's talking about someone suffering legally. The murderer suffering the consequences of his crime. The thief having to suffer the consequences of his crime. You see, both the law of the Lord and the law of the land require punishment for crimes that are committed. You've heard the old saying, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Well, Peter talks about those who suffer legally. There is a form of suffering that comes as a result of breaking the law and committing a crime. Peter not only talks about how one can suffer legally, but he also talks about how one can suffer unjustly. Look in 1 Peter 2 and verse 19. Not only that one can suffer legally, one can suffer because they reap the consequences of their crimes, but he also talks about suffering that is unjust or suffering that is done wrongfully. 1 Peter 2 verse 19, he said, For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, notice this next statement, suffering wrongly or wrongfully. The word wrongfully there simply means unjustly. He's talking about those who suffer without a cause. Those who suffer because of nothing they have done in their life. 
but someone maybe that has mistreated them. And we all have known of times and known of people, and maybe you've experienced in your life when someone lied about you. Someone mistreated you. Someone ran you down. Someone caused you to suffer, and you had done nothing wrong. It is suffering wrongfully. It is suffering unjustly. It is suffering without a cause. Peter says you can suffer legally. Peter says you can suffer unjustly. But you also notice in 1 Peter 3, 14 that he talks about how one can suffer spiritually. Oh, they haven't done anything wrong. But then one can suffer spiritually. Look in 1 Peter 3 and verse 14. He said, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, See that statement? He talks about suffering for righteousness' sake. Peter describes suffering that comes as a result of one's relationship to Christ. Peter says it's very possible that you can suffer because you're a Christian. It is very possible that you can suffer because of your walk with God. He also said in 1 Peter 4, 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, he's talking about suffering that is spiritually. Christians that are having to suffer because of the relationship to Christ. I want you to understand something. Even though we live in a generation where we as Americans, we don't bear a lot of persecution for our faith, I want you to understand tonight that the history of the church of Jesus Christ is blotted with the blood of those that paid the ultimate price to be a child of God. I think about the disciples, the Christians in the very beginning, in the, the 12 disciples that followed the Lord, the 11 of them. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Barnabas was stoned to death. Bartholomew was flayed to death. That is, he was skinned and put to death. James was thrown from a pinnacle of the temple wall, and when he was found still alive at the bottom, he was beaten to death with clubs. Matthew was slain with a sword. Peter was crucified upside down. Philip was executed. Thomas was killed by a lance that was thrust through his body. You see, there have been many that have paid the ultimate price to serve God. And Peter said it's very possible that you'll suffer because of your relationship to Jesus Christ. He said in 1 Peter 2, 21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving as an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus told us, or Peter tells us, that Jesus had to suffer and we're no better than him that it's very possible that we will suffer spiritually. Peter talks about suffering legally. He talks about suffering unjustly. And he talks about suffering spiritually. But look at 1 Peter 4, 19. He says that one can suffer divinely. Look at it. Not only can one suffer legally, suffering the consequences for committing a crime, suffer unjustly, suffering because of the way others are treating you, suffering wrongfully, suffering spiritually, having to suffer because of your relationship to Christ. But he also tells us that it's possible that an individual will suffer divinely. 1 Peter 4, 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Look at that statement. Look at that. That's an interesting statement. Let them that suffer according to the will of God. Suffering but suffering because it is the will of God. Do you see that statement? Peter tells it's very possible that some will suffer because it's God's will for them to suffer. Peter is indicating that suffering can be that which has been allowed by God, that which has been arranged by God, that which has been appointed by God. He's telling me that suffering can be the will of God for me. I think about a fellow by the name of E.W. Kenyon, father of the faith movement. 
And he wrote this in one of his books. He said, you, he said, you are suffering because you have refused your place in Christ. Let me read that again. Mr. Kenyon, he said, you are suffering because you have refused your place in Christ. In other words, what Kenyon was saying is that you suffer because you're out of the will of God. But Peter tells me that you may be suffering because you're in the will of God. Mr. Kenyon says, if you don't live for God, you suffer. And there is chastisement there. But I want you to understand something. Your suffering may not be due to the fact that you're out of God's will. Your suffering may be due to the fact that you are in God's will. Peter talks about suffering. You may suffer legally. You may suffer wrongfully. You may suffer spiritually. But you could even suffer divinely. Suffering that is sent from God, sanctioned by God, and seated in God. He talks about suffering, the different expressions of suffering. But look at something else. Are you with me now? Say amen. amen. Not only talk about the different expressions of suffering, but also you see the definite experience of suffering that Peter talks about. Look in 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. If there is a verse in the Bible that has strengthened me through the years, it is this one verse. And if there's a verse in the Bible that is fascinating and enlightening, it is this one verse. Look at 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. He said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happen unto you. Now, Peter talks about the fiery trial. The word fiery is descriptive of a smelting furnace where the gold is purified. We looked at and saw that picture in James 1-2 on Wednesday night. Here is the fire, here is the silver, here is the gold. And the goldsmith, the silversmith, he puts that gold inside that fire, heats that fire up, and it becomes so hot, and as it melts that silver, melts that gold, all the impurities rise to the top, and then he scoops those impurities off. That's the picture behind the fiery trials. He is telling us that trials of suffering, trials that believers go through is like going through the fire. Now, notice what he has to say about these fiery trials. One, he talks about how suffering is not alien to the Christian life. He talks about suffering not being alien to the Christian life. In other words, Peter says to me, think it not strange. Or if I can put it this way, don't be surprised when trials come. Don't be shocked. Don't let your faith waver when trials come in your life. Think it not strange. It literally means stop thinking it a thing alien to you. Peter said, I want you to understand about suffering. There's many ways you can suffer. You can suffer for doing wrong. You can go out and commit a crime, and you have to suffer for that crime. And you may suffer, and you haven't done one thing wrong. You may suffer because of who you're related to, Jesus Christ. And then again, you may suffer because that's God's will for your life. But Peter said, I want you to understand something. There's many ways you can suffer, but understand this. Don't be shocked when you suffer. Don't let your faith be jarred when trials come in your life. Don't think it a thing alien to the believer to go through trials. You know, we have this mistaken idea that if we live for God, we're never going to have any problems in our life. And I mentioned Kenyon a while ago. I listen to these joy boys on TV, and they'll give you the impression that if you'll live for God and you'll send them so much money, then you're never going to have any more problems. You're never going to be sick again, and you're never going to have any trials or problems in your life. But that's not what the Bible teaches. I don't care if you live for God and do your best. We, sometimes we think, well, if I give to God, I'm going to get in church, and I'm going to start giving 10% of my income to the church and whatever, then I'll not have any more problems. You don't find that in the Bible. 
Because you can live for God and honor God and glorify God in every little detail and still suffer as a Christian. Just because you're saved and just because you're living for God does not make you immune from trials. I think about what Hebrews 11. Look in Hebrews. Would you turn over there for just a moment? I want you to look at this passage. I shouldn't put it on the screen, but look at Hebrews 11. Notice the beginning of verse 33. This is a fascinating chapter, and here are some fascinating verses. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 33 and following. Notice what the Scripture said. Here's the great chapter of faith, Hebrews 11. Look at verse 33. He talks about those who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. Quits the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fire, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. What a glorious story. Here are people that live by faith and put their faith in God. And because they put their faith in God, wonderful things happen in their life. Women saw their children raised to, out of death to life again. The mouths of lions were stopped. Don't and on and on. Miraculous stories and miraculous occurrences in their life because of their faith. But look, in the middle part of verse 35, and others... After going down the list and telling about what God did in certain lives, how he did this and did that, but he said, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials or cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Here were many that God did wonderful things for and delivered them. But there were many others that he did not deliver them. Deliver them. God intervened on the behalf of some, but he didn't intervene on the behalf of the other. Some God delivered from a measure of suffering, but God extended and enlarged the measure of suffering for others. Peter said, don't think it's strange when trials come in your life. Don't think it's strange that you suffer. Just because you love Christ doesn't mean you won't suffer. Just because you love the Lord, just because you give your life to God, just because you want to glorify Him doesn't mean you won't suffer. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised by suffering in your life. He said it's not alien to the life of the believer. He said something else about it. He said it's not avoidable in the life of the believer. Notice what he had to say. He carefully, in verse 12, he said, he speaks of that which is to try you. I get the tense of it. Thank it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is is to try you. You remember Wednesday night in our study of James, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. And I emphasize Wednesday night that James did not say if you fall into divers' temptations, but when you fall into divers' temptations. And I emphasize Wednesday night that the issue is not what to do if trouble comes. The issue is what do you do when trouble comes. I don't want to be a pessimist tonight. I want to be honest with you. And James is telling me that there is a fiery trial which is to try you. He's telling me that there is going to be trials in my life, that there is going to be suffering in my life, that it is not avoidable, that trials will come. They are certain instead of being shocked we ought to be expecting trials to come. Benjamin Franklin once made the statement, the only thing certain is death and taxes. Well, I would add to that suffering and trials. Now, we may not know when suffering is going to come. 
And we may not know how it'll come. But you mark it down as sure as God's word is true and the Bible is true. Amen. The Bible is true. Amen. And as sure as the Bible is true, somewhere we will suffer. That's what he said, the fiery trial which is to try you. It's a definite experience of suffering. But here's the third and the final thing. And this will lay the foundation for the weeks to come. And that is the divine effect of suffering. He talks about the different expressions of suffering, suffering legally, suffering wrongfully, suffering spiritually, suffering divinely, how it is a definite thing that's going to happen in my life. I should not be shocked when suffering comes, but look at the effect of suffering. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. Here's our text verse. After all Peter has to say about suffering, all through 1 Peter 1, 2, 3, 4, when he gets down to chapter 5, he sums it all up by saying, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You know what he tells me in verse 10 of chapter 5? He's telling me that all suffering has a divine effect in my life. And that suffering serves as a divine ministry in our life. We talk about ministry and God's ministry. Do you realize tonight that suffering is a ministry of God? Are you listening to me? That suffering is a ministry of God. Notice what he had to say. He talks about the divine purpose of suffering. Notice carefully that Peter says, After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. He tells me in verse 10 that God brings certain things to pass in my life and in your life as the result of suffering. That certain things happen to me. That certain things occur to me and, and certain things become real in my life after I have suffered a while. Peter tells me that when I suffer, that it perfects me. And we're going to spend a whole Sunday night looking at that word perfect. Peter tells me that suffering establishes me. We'll spend the Sunday night looking at the word establish. What does it mean to, to perfect us, to establish us? Peter said that after I have suffered, it strengthens me. It settles me. He's telling me that suffering has a purpose in our life. In other words, Peter's telling me that suffering is not without rhyme or reason. That suffering is not without a cause. That suffering is a part of God's plan. That suffering is a part of God's purpose in our life. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6. I have a message that I've preached, on, uh, preached, I've preached on through the years. I don't know if I ever preached it here about the need for trials. 1 Peter 1, 6, he said, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though for a season, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Get that. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6. Peter said, If I need it, I am under heaviness. That if I need it, and if there's a need in my life, that I could be under the heaviness of manifold temptations or manifold trials, that I could find myself engulfed in adversity just in order to meet a need in my life. Peter is telling me there are needs. And the way God that meets these needs is through trials. And the need sometimes, the need in our life is trials itself, that we need a trial, and we need a valley, and we need suffering. He talked about it being a fiery trial, a smelting pot or a smelting furnace that we go through. And he's telling me that that might be just exactly what I need in my life. Now, we all, we want to be on the mountain, don't we? No one wants to suffer. I don't like to suffer. I don't like to suffer. I don't, nobody likes to suffer. But do you realize tonight that in your life as a child of God that suffering is needed? 
By it, God brings to pass His eternal purposes in our life. Back in 1962, there was a fellow by the name of Victor. Uh, there was a, a man and his wife, Victor Mildred uh, Gortzal, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. They published a revealing study of 413 famous and exceptionally gifted people. They called them the cradles of eminence. And they spent years attempting to understand what produced such greatness in their life and trying to find a common thread that ran through all of these outstanding people's lives. You know what they found was the one common thread in all of them? In fact, virtually all of them, 392 out of the 413. They found the one common thread that most of them shared, 392 out of 413, is that they had to overcome difficult obstacles in their life. That one of the things that made them great was the trial they went through. And one of the things that made them great was overcoming the obstacles in their life. Do you realize that God is not going to give us an easy road on the way to heaven? That God is going to put us through the fire. And you know what we do as parents? This is what we often say to our, about our children. I don't want my children to have it as hard as I did. You ever said that? I don't lie. I don't sit out there like you're angels. Have you ever said, I don't want my children to have it as hard as I did. I don't want them to go through what I had to go through. And so what you do and have done is you've given them everything they want. And they're spoiled rotten. Now they won't do anything. Can I get an amen right there? Don't we say that? I want you to listen to what William M. Batten in Fortune magazine said one time. He said, when I hear my friends say they hope their children don't have to experience the hardships they went through, I don't agree. Those hardships made us what we are. You can be disadvantaged in many ways, and one way may be not having to struggle, end quote. God lets us suffer, and God sometimes takes the blooms off the roses and leaves nothing but the thorns. And God sometimes thrusts us into the dark valley, and sometimes God lets us walk through times of adversity. Why? There's a divine purpose in it. And it's God's way of making us. Don't you understand something tonight? We're God's children. You believe that? We're in the hand of God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. There are no accidents in God's economy. We're God's children, and nothing that comes our life will come by accident, only by appointments. Therefore, whatever comes in our lives, whatever it may be, we must realize that God allowed it. He may even caused it. But there's that suffering in our life. Now, you may think about your suffering. You may feel somewhat like Bob Hope when he accepted a major award. He got up, they gave him his award. He said, I don't deserve this, but I have authorized. I don't deserve that either. Well, that may be the way you feel about it. You don't deserve your trial and your uh, suffering, but the bottom line is suffering. suffering is not about what we deserve. The bottom line is suffering. You say, but what did I do? Why did God let this happen in my life? Why didn't over here so-and-so, they ever have any trouble? Why me? Why so much suffering in my life? Why do I deserve all of this? The issue is not what we deserve. The issue is what he deserves. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7. Can I say it again? Say, why me? Why did, he, why did he put so much on me? Why did he pick me out? It's like God's got a, something against me, and he's just plummeting me with trials and suffering. Again, the issue is not what we deserve, but what he deserves. First Peter 1, verse 6 and 7, he said, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, 
If need be, your inheritance through manifold temptations. Why? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what the bottom line of suffering is? To make me worthy of him. That he might get praise out of my life. That he might get glory out of my life. There's a divine purpose for suffering. Many of you are going through some hard things in your life. Seems like you get a grip on one thing and next thing you know you're bombarded with something else. It's like you get victory in one and you overcome this problem, then next thing you know it's another problem. Why? I mean, I can't come to you and say this is why, but I'll guarantee you one thing. There is a why. God has a purpose. Amen? Amen. God has a purpose. But let me give you a final thing. You not only see the divine purpose for suffering, but thank God there's a divine provision for suffering. For notice what he says, verse 10, 1 Peter 5, that God's purpose for suffering is not without his provision in suffering. Notice what he said. Look at this. The God of all grace can I stop there? In fact, if I, I just read that one statement, that's enough just to shut my Bible and for us to shout for the next 30 minutes. I'm talking about suffering. I'm talking about trials in our life. I'm talking about heartaches in our life. I'm talking about financial trials, physical trials. I'm talking about suffering, a diverse forms of suffering. But I want you to understand something. Whatever you go through and whatever trial you're going through, whatever your suffering may be, there is the God of all grace. God will never allow uh, anything in your life, appoint anything for your life, or arrange anything to come to your life that he will not give you grace to bear it and to get through it. He is the God of all grace. You got a physical problem, then there's physical grace. You got a financial problem, there's financial grace. You got a, an emotional problem, there's emotional grace. Is it a spiritual problem? There's spiritual grace. It's all grace. And no matter what you're going through, and no matter what your suffering is, God will always give you grace to make it through what you're going through. Some of your burdens are heavy, but I want you to know He is the God. Of all grace. Someone has said your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. We all need God's grace. We're here tonight because of grace. Listen to me. I'd be in hell tonight if it wasn't for God's grace. You'd be in hell tonight if it wasn't for God's grace. And if it hadn't been for the God of all grace that got us through our storms in the past, we wouldn't be here tonight. And the storm you're going through now, God will be there with His grace. And storms down the road, He is the God of all grace. He gives us grace to get through what we're going through. Give Him praise for that. Amen. The God of all grace. Here's what I want you to get, and I'm through. Suffering has a purpose in our life. We're to learn that purpose. We're to learn why we suffer. But here's one thing I don't want you to forget. And God has the grace for whatever suffering He allows, arranges, or appoints for your life. Why does God let His people suffer? We're going to find out. Let's stand to our feet, please. Many ways we can suffer. Some suffering due to our own doings. Some of it's because it's His plan for our life. Here's the thing that encourages us. Here's the thing that will strengthen you. No matter what kind of suffering you're going through, God has a reason for it. God has a reason. We saw Wednesday night, James 1, 2, count it all joy. 
You say, how can you shout when you're going through trials? You might say a man would shout when he escapes trials, not when he encounters trials. But James said, count it all joy. The word count we saw Wednesday night means to look forward. It's not fun going through the trials, but when you realize there's a purpose behind it, and you look down the road at the end result, you can count it all joy, knowing that when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. And when it's all said and done, it will be for my good and it will be for his glory. He's got a purpose in it. Got a purpose. His grace is available. Now avail yourself of his grace. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to sing a couple of stanzas. There may be some of you tonight going through some hard times in your life. Once you get up out of your seat and come and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why that I'm going through this trial. I don't know why I'm suffering why I'm suffering this particular trial, while I'm going through this thing. God, I don't understand why. But Lord, I know you have a reason, and I'm going to trust you with the reason in my life. And Father, I'm going to leave the reason to you. All I want, God, is for you to give me grace. All I need is the grace to to face what I'm going through. Lord, I'll trust you, and I'll put it in your hands as to the purpose and the reason. God, all I want is the grace to bear my burden and the grace to get through my trial. And the grace to face what I'm suffering. God, give me grace. You're the God of all grace. Will you let God give you grace tonight? Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, it is a joy being a Christian. We come to church, we rejoice, we celebrate all that we have. But God, a lot of times when our folks and many of the folks here tonight that have celebrated and rejoiced in the Lord, they'll go home. And this week they'll carry a heavy burden. They rejoice with a heavy burden. They're going through some dark times in their life. Being a Christian is a great joy, but it's not without its suffering, not without its burdens. But, Father, I pray tonight that you would give grace where grace is needed. You're the God of all grace. Lord, tonight give that individual out there the grace they need to face what they're facing. Give them the grace they need to go through what they're going through. Give them grace to handle what's happening in their life. God, you are the God of all grace. Now give them grace tonight. May there be many that will kneel and say, God, I come tonight to trust you with the reason, the purpose. All I ask is for the grace to accept it and the grace to trust you, the grace to get through it. God, give me grace. So, Father, minister to hearts now. Lord, in the days to come, teach us why you let us suffer. Teach us why you let us suffer. Lord, we don't enjoy suffering. But, Father, we've seen through the years and experienced too much through the years to know that there's not a reason. Our, not, our suffering is not without a reason. The end result is always worth it. So minister hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen.